This is Life Matters on Way FM. Dr. Andrew Corbett, of course, in the studio on a Wednesday morning, he likes to pop in uh, as I enjoy my coffee. He's always got something interesting to say. And this week, uh, you preempted this last week. This is going to be very interesting mm. for families. It is. And this is one of those things, as many parents have said, you know, the children didn't come with a manual. You know? <laughs> and so I want to talk about the five golden rules of parenting and I think we're, we're we're going to talk about why parenting is a challenge some of the the, the, the the challenges that you have as a parent and then I want to give five go-to's you know these are the five things that you can go to when it comes to the golden rules of parenting this is life matters on way FM it is Life Matters right here on Way FM. Dr. Andrew Corbett in the studio. And, of course, it's all about families and uh, parenting skills. We, we, we need them because the manual, oh, I'm still looking for it. <laughs> That's right. And, Dave, I guess just before we get into it, just a, a reminder, it's, it's Easter. It's only, you know, 20-something days oh, away. Yeah. And with uh, the Launceston Easter Community Festival, which Way FM's right behind, uh, the first event kicks off 21, 22 days away, and we've got... The, the a great lineup of speakers. Plus, on if you go to launceston.org.au, you'll see a raft of other speakers. We've got some academics from UTAS. We've got some health professionals from the LGH who are all contributing in realms of food and diet and nutrition and things like this because part of the theme this year is healthy body, healthy mind and uh, healthy soul. And so it's feeding body, mind and soul. And so the, the whole theme is sort of fitting around that. The, the, the big one will be the Albert Hall, Good Friday night, 7 o'clock. We expect a full house at the Albert Hall there. And just to give people a heads up, it's going to be more along the lines of a Graham Norton night. So whatever you're expecting, don't expect that. <laughs> expect something that's probably a little bit close to a Graham Norton format. We're going to have music from the get-go. It's, it, it's, then we're going to have some great guests, great interviews. And you, you really, I think you're going to be moved, um, intellectually moved, emotionally moved, and spiritually moved by the speakers. The, the, one of the speakers is Roy Williams, who worked for Australia's most prestigious law firm. And as a lawyer, he somehow came on his radar to prove to some of his Christian friends that Christianity was not true. And as a lawyer, he thought he would use his lawyer skills to do that. Well, Dave, I'll just cut to the chase. In the end, he actually converted to Christianity from the evidence that he looked at. So Roy Williams then wrote a book called God Actually, and ABC, that is the people who broadcast Q&A, they published his book, God Actually, and they've continued to publish his book. So he's he's a, an interesting guy. That's uh, Roy Williams. So Jeff Zwirink, an astrophysicist, Roy Williams, and of course music by Peter Shirley. So that's coming up. One other thing, it's kind of connected to what we're talking about today, kind of connected in as we're about to talk about the five golden rules of parenting. And I want to give particularly new parents a, a little bit of an insight into some of the things that they shouldn't do and some of the things that will, they'll probably benefit from. But one of the things that's coming up with the possibility of the federal election being called, uh, being announced sometime shortly after Easter, that you know the pundits are talking June, July when, when it will come up, there'll probably be shortly after that a thing called the plebiscite. And the plebiscite yeah is what happens when you seek to change the referendum. And so normally that, that's what it's involved with. But the parliament's actually going to use this to possibly amend the Marriage Act. 
And one of the, the things that I've been involved with is actually making the case for marriage being between a man and a woman. But before uh, I, I, I sort of go there, what I, what I say is that, that people who want to change the Marriage Act, I understand why. I understand that they want to feel a sense of respect and a sense of dignity and they want to feel validated. And you know what, Dave? I actually want that for them. Yep. I want people to feel respected. I want people to feel validated. I want people to have a sense of dignity. And and, and I understand that's what they want. But I, I just politely say, I don't think this is how you're going to achieve that. And really, that's that's a large part of my defense of, of marriage between a man and a woman is is it's not a I'm not trying to take a hostile approach I'm just trying to take you know to be be an alternate voice here to say marriage between a man and woman is actually something it's special there's lots of benefits for it what you're talking about trying to uh, emulate that you know someone said if it if if something has to be changed in order to make it equal then it wasn't equal to start with and i yeah. think that's a a reasonable thing but at the same time again i want people to feel respected and to have a sense of dignity and to to feel validated as a human being so that's really important to me so i just thought i'd mention that as well and we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as we get closer to that dave just to kick off this five golden rules of parenting um, new parents are often overwhelmed with the with the new responsibility of raising a child especially if they hadn't actually planned on becoming a parent you know suddenly they they find out we're pregnant and often it's initially it's a shock and then then the joy sets in and the excitement sets in and and then for many young parents people who are becoming young parents they actually may not have ever been exposed to young children it's very possible that there are young mothers out there who prior to holding their own baby never actually held a baby Mm. now i know this might sound strange to a an older generation but I've met many young mums, uh, teen mums, early 20s mums, uh, who have never actually had that much interaction with babies. Wow. And, you know, in a bygone era, we were a part of larger family networks where, you know, brothers and older brothers, older sisters or cousins came over with the kids and you got to play with them. Well, kind of the whole family social infrastructure thing isn't what it used to be now. So the the reality is that there are younger parents who actually really this is this is a shock what on earth do we do how do we do this add into that is their own upbringing may not have been great and of course many single mums would and and, you know many single mums were raised by a single mum and I've never met a single mum who has said this is how she would do it if she had the choice. Course, you know, I've yeah. never met one. They, they've yeah. all said this is not what I was hoping for. I was, you know, I, I kind of to put it in corny, cliche terms. I was hoping for, you know, Prince Charming to come along in the silk, you know, the knight in shining armor and, and to sweep me off my feet and we ride off into the sunset and we have a family and we live happily ever after. And how often do we see that story unfold today? Did someone say Princess Mary? Yeah. It's well, how rare is that? That is very, that's, you know, and how many Princess Marys are there? One. I think there's one. But what, and what a, what a delightful story that is. But unfortunately for most 
princesses, of which, you know, I've got three of them. That That's not the story. The story is often for them, it's... It's it's a strained relationship that maybe doesn't go on. It's a it's a relationship with, even if there is a marriage, sometimes the 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 preparation for marriage hasn't been great, and and the the early challenges, often derail that marriage, and and so sometimes life can deal a, you know, a, a bad deck of cards to someone and a bad hand of cards. So. I know that there are people who can feel overwhelmed, and I and I just say this from the get go: if you're a single parent, and you know, I think uh, uh, Southern Cross played the uh, the thing on Sunday night about the guy in Hobart whose partner, who already was a mother, uh, he and his partner had a baby already, and she was 37 weeks pregnant, and the tragedy of that episode. Now he's a single dad raising two very young kids. And so I'm mindful that there are, you know, when we talk about the, the five golden rules of parenting, there are single parents out there. And I'll just say this, you you have got twice the job, you know, with half the resources. This is a really tough gig and it can be done. It's just going to be tough. And I think by your by any single parent that I've, you know, had that quiet conversation with, they've all said, this is really hard. I'm constantly tired. I'm constantly frazzled. This is just really hard, and, and it is. It really is hard. So that's the first thing that I think we need to understand, that, that new parents are often overwhelmed with the role of raising a child. They want to come back after this and, and actually begin to look at the role of parents generally and where they can begin in their new responsibility of parenting. This is Life Matters on WayFM. This is Life Matters on Way FM. It is Dave with you this morning. Dr. Andrew Corbett is in the studio and the five golden rules of parenting. Oh, yeah. we need them. Yeah. Well, it, it might sound odd to talk about the golden rules of parenting, but I think it's like baking a cake, Dave. You know, you can you can look at your pantry and go, well, there's the flour. If you kept your eggs in the pantry, there's your eggs. <laughs> if you kept your milk in the pantry, there's your milk. And there's, you know, I don't know, what else do you need for a cake? Well, I, I guess you could make a cake from flour, eggs, eggs, milk. I guess you could, but if I made it for you, uh, you probably wouldn't eat it. You probably wouldn't eat it. But then again, if my wife made it, oh yes, uh, suddenly, we'd, you know, all of a sudden, it, we, we're dealing with a different cake. Yeah. And I think life is like that. You know, we, we think, well, you know, no one can tell me how to parent. Every child's different. You know, there's no rules for this. It's just make it up as you go along. That's not exactly how you make a cake. You know, you don't just make it up as you go along. In in life there are certain things that if you put them in the right order, if you if you, you know, have the right time, uh, concentration, you can actually end up making a really nice cake. And my wife is just a great example of that and I'm a great example of, of the other case of how not to do it. And I think it's the same with parenting and I think you need to know the basic rules. It's the same as music. There's in the world of music, and I know you're you're the expert in music, Dave, and there's music and then there's jazz. Yes, it's true. <laughs> because, it's true. Because music has rules. Music music generally has, you know, sheet 
music, where it's, you know, um, it, whether it's even for drums, you know, hit cymbal here, this kind of thing. And then you've got jazz. Yep. Jazz doesn't use sheet music. It's just like make it up as you go along. Yep. It's kind of like it's a, you know, basic idea of what we want to do. And every time a jazz band will play a song, it's a little bit different. And some people think that's how life can be. But you know what? Those guys are expert musicians generally. Yep. They understand the rules. And I think with parenting, we, we need to understand there are some principles that work. And yes, every child's different. But you know what? They're still a human being and they yep. still have some very basic needs. So this is the, you know, when we talk about the five golden rules of parenting i don't want people to switch off and think well you can't you know cookie cut children well you may have a custom cookie cutter but let me tell you there are certain things you you can do that will help you have a better chance of raising a well-balanced child so we've talked about how overwhelming it can be for parents who have no idea of this the 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 next thing i just want to introduce is that you know, there does seem to be a natural design thing here that it takes a man and a woman to conceive a child. And there, I wonder if there's something quite natural about that. In other words, there's a natural order to how a child is conceived. And then the next step in that process is the input that its biological parents has into it. One of the things that's intriguing, if not very sad, is how many children of sperm donors get to their mid, late teens, early 20s and crave to know who their dad is. Of course. It's, it's a phenomena that, you know, the social researchers, the medical researchers said would never happen. Well, it is happening. Mm-hmm. These people crave to know who their biological father is. In fact, I think there's a one of the networks on TV has actually got a, a, a program on this, it's not necessarily sperm donors, but children who were adopted out very early did not know who their dad was. I actually, I think there are stories of sperm donor children who get to that 20, teens, 20s, 30s, even 40s, and they're craving to know who their biological dad is. There seems to be something in the natural order of things that craves input from your biological mum and dad. And Dave, I know, you know your story is one where you experience the pain of, of I, I hate using the word losing, but for you it was quite a, a moving moment, I understand, when because both your parents uh, died relatively close together, and it was it was fairly tragic. I, I don't know if you want to go there, but ha- what effect did that did that have on you at that time? Well, I think it, you know, I think it's like anything, like you lose anything, but uh, you know, when you um, like when it's a parent, um, and I, I suppose the unfortunate role of a child is that you probably will see your parents. Um, you know, kind of pass away and you, you've kind of lose them in that sort of, you know, kind of way. But I think it was about the connection, um, the connection that I had with my father, especially towards the end of his life. Um, that was a sad thing. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, like um, I've said many a time, uh, especially on social media, I'd give anything, I'd yeah. give millions to spend five minutes yeah. just talking with him, you know? Yes. And I think it's that connection. You're right. It's this, it's, you know, it uh, must be some sort of intelligent design that we just, you know, we just crave that yeah. we want to connect with yeah. those that are our flesh and blood. Yes, you know? yes. That's where I came from, yes. my father. Yes. He is my father. Yeah. And because we have the same sense of humor, it's terrible. Yes. Um, you know, we, we, we had that connection. Right. Of, you know, the, other than my other siblings, you know. Yeah. My father and I, we used to tell these jokes and they used to all roll their eyes. It was fantastic, yeah. you know. Yeah. I miss that sort of stuff. Yes. That was a connection. Yes. You know, and he had an adventurous life. 
you know, and I've kind of lived an adventurous life. Mm-hmm. So we just it's that connection. Yeah. And it is, you know, when you lose parent or parents, you know, it can be quite sad. Yes. And I reflect on it quite frequently, um, yep. you know, and it's always with a smile on my face. Yeah. So you, you were rel- well, relatively young, but I guess you had, you know, some time with your parents. Imagine those children who, who didn't grow up knowing their dad and yet – their dad was alive. He was somewhere. Yeah. And they and, and it actually creates quite an angst in people. So there actually is is something there's there's I think this is beautifully highlighted and I, I, I played this in uh, church before I preached the other week. It was the latest Master Foods. Now yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure we should be dinging the cash for comments, but I'll tell you right now, Master Foods aren't giving me any cash. I, I don't know anyone at Master Foods, but can I tell you their latest TV ad is one of the best TV ads I've ever seen in my life. It is what I would almost call the perfect TV ad. And it's the the interview is between a, a four sets of parents where they're asked, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would you have? And they mention people like Tom Cruise, Nelson Mandela, Justin Bieber, Kylie Minogue. All these people get mentioned and... Then they bring their children out and the parents are watching in another room. And the children asked, who would you most like to have dinner with? And every one of the children said, my mum and dad, my mum and dad, my parents. And the parents are moved to tears. But it highlights this point that I'm making, that the natural order seems to be that a child is brought into the world with a sense that my biological mum and dad are going to have a role in my life, an input into my life. So here's, I, I, I want we put that down there to say, Mum, Dad, you're always, you are always going to be teaching and training your children, even when you don't feel you are. That's the first thing. So you may feel you're not much of a teacher, you're not much of a trainer, but the thing you need to know is you are. Whether you realize it or not, your children are watching and learning and being trained by you and from you. I want to come back after this and I want to give one perhaps the first foundational principle for how parents can begin to adopt the five golden rules of parenting when we come back from this day. This is uh, Life Matters on Way FM. This is Life Matters on Way FM. It is Dave with you and of course Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're talking about the five golden rules of parenting. That's right, uh, and they apply to uh, just about everyone, don't they? Yeah, I think so. And this is again, it's it's one of those things that people might push back and think you can't, you know, uh, raise children by a set of laws or rules or whatever. But until you actually know how a cake is made and, and the basic recipe, you can't go, you know, tinkering that much with it. And so what I'm going to do is give give a couple of principles and then and then begin to just lay out the five and we'll we'll count five down to one and 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 here's here's the first principle the best parenting is intentional parenting the best parenting is intentional parenting in other words if well let me flip it the least effective parenting is when parents hope their children turn out the way they hope let me run that again. The least effective parenting is when parents hope their children turn out the way they hope. And it, it, you can't just hope this will happen. It, you actually have to do something. There has to be some sort of intentionality to it. One of the best things you can do, just from a very practical point of view, is to have meals together. 
and to, to be able to sit down at a dinner table and begin to talk with your children. You know, kudos to Master Foods. Go to, the, go to YouTube and just type in Master Foods' latest TV ad and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Really, really well done. So intentional parenting. It's when you go, you know, we want to raise children who are, and I hope you want to raise children who are polite, well-mannered, diligent, caring, they, they learn how to share, they learn how to contribute to society, they, they give their best, they become people who are honest, they become people who are respectful. And those are the words that I hope, oh, I would think you know, most parents would want their children to fulfill those words. That's not just going to happen. You actually have to be intentional about that. So as a parent, you, you'll find these training moments when, for example, at Little Athletics with Ruby, one of the other competitors might you know, not win. They might come second and they are pouting and they're snooty. Mm. And, you know, it's an opportunity for Ruby, who never comes first or second, uh, except in the walk. She does pretty well at that. But, <laughs> but, but in the running events, Ruby's, you know, she's not the tallest girl in, in her age and she'll often come sort of last or second last and, and, and we'll, we'll say to her, well done for giving your best. Because to me, that's more important. And then, then we'll look at, you know, could be um, uh, uh, Gabby or whoever. And I've just made up that name. There is no Gabby. Uh, but but there, there she is. And there she's pouting and she's snooking and she's crying that she got beaten and she only came second. I said, that's not how you lose, sweetie. Don't ever lose like that. Lose lose well. Henry Cloud, who's a, one of my favorite psychologists, and I, I, I don't have many, but uh, <laughs> he, he says, you know, a, a winner is someone who knows how to lose well, yeah. not just win well. And I, I like that. I really like that a lot. And I think that's a part of intentional parenting. Here's number five. Let, let's, start, let's kick it off. Number five, parenting starts before a couple has children. I'll repeat that. Parenting starts before a couple has children. Here's where your parenting starts. And this is where I see many young couples get derailed before the start gate. You see, the strength of your parenting is actually out of the strength of your marriage. So let's run through the scenario. You're surprised that you're having a child. You have a child, you bring it home, and suddenly that child consumes your world. That child becomes the center of your world. Can I tell you, from that moment, you're in dangerous territory. The center of your world should be each other, and you are now introducing another member to your world. It's not you coming into their world. You are introducing them to your world. The strength of your parenting happens before you become parents. That's number five. The fifth golden rule of parenting is that your marriage is more important than your parenting. Your marriage is more important than your parenting. And I know, and I said from the outset, that there are many people who do it hard as a single parent. And, and you have my utmost respect for the, for the huge challenge that you've got. And as I said, I've spoken with many single parents who said, I would really, if I had my choice, I would not do this as a single parent. I would do this with a loving, supportive, committed partner. Mm -hmm. I've never met anyone who said that they wouldn't want that. So that's the first thing. Parenting starts before you have children. It starts out of the strength of your children. We'll do number four and then we'll we'll, we'll go to music. But number four is this. Parents assume primary responsibility 
for the raising of their children or child. It's not the carers at daycare. It's not the teachers at school. It's not the football coach, the netball coach, the swimming insert here. It's not them. So again, parents, number four, the fourth golden rule of parenting is you are responsible for the raising of your child. When you send your child to school or when you send your child to daycare, the behavior of your child, the the character of your child is not the primary responsibility of the carer or the teacher or the kindergarten worker or whoever else, the nanny, the babysitter, it's you. So this is a hard one for many parents to accept responsibility starts with me when we sent our children to school my attitude was i'm not sending them to school for the school to teach them or the teacher to teach them i'm sending my children to school for that teacher to help me teach my children the responsibility was mine so there's number five and number four and we've got three more to go dave this is life matters on way fm it is Life Matters on Way FM. Dr. Andrew Corbett, of course, in the studio. The five golden rules of uh, parenting. Now, uh, that can apply uh, to just about everyone. And I was thinking before, Andrew, how you actually said, um, you know, every child's different and people think that these things, you know, well, I do it differently and this mightn't apply to me. But I think what you're talking about is like a process. Yeah. So you're talking about the process, and of course it's all going to be different, you know, the processy way to do it. And you use an example of baking a cake. Mm. Baking a cake is a process, mm-hmm. and there's a squillion different ways to do it, but you need the process, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you need the process. You need to understand the basic ingredients. Yeah. And if you get the, you know, you get the order right, you get the mix right, then you can end up making a beautiful cake. You, yeah. you get it wrong, then, you know, even though you think... There's, there's no recipe for a cake. You know, everyone's recipe is different. Well, your your cake may end up not being that edible. So I think <laughs> as parents, I've seen many parents who just get utterly frustrated because one of the worst things you can say to parents who, uh, and I, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, but there are such there is such a thing as good parents. Mm. And one of the worst things you can say to good parents is, oh, you're so lucky with your children. <laughs> It's an absolute insult to say that because there's no such thing as luck when it comes to good parenting. It's absolutely intentional. They set out with a goal in mind. The goal in mind is to raise, you know, caring, honest, diligent, respectful, contributing children. And every parent should have that at least as their intention. And if you start there, then you've got to figure out, okay, that's my intention. How am I going to do it? How are we going to do it? And I've mentioned that it starts with the strength of your marriage. If your marriage is in trouble, your parenting is in trouble. And if you can really work on the strength of your marriage and realize that when you have a child, you're actually bringing a child into your world and that child's got to learn. Mm -hmm. That child's got to learn. It's not their world anymore. It's your world. And I see parents who uh, curtail their own relationship with each other because of their children and that's dangerous it's just really dangerous you may have that child with you what feels like for 30 40 years but you it's probably only going to be 18 to 21 years or so and it's gonna i, I tell you as someone who's who's you know had a few grow up and f- uh, fly the nest that that it goes really quick mm. it really does go quick and you, you look back and i can look back on now the the 
uh, the parent of uh, two children who are in their 20s and uh, say, you know, I, I, I don't think I, I, I achieved everything I intended, but at least we, we got a long way there. And I think that's that's you know, sometimes that's about as good as you can do, but it doesn't happen by accident. So that's where we started. So we've mentioned parenting starts out of the strength of your marriage. And number four, the parents are the bear primary responsibility for the raising of their children. So don't go and blame your teachers. Don't go and your children's teachers. Don't go and blame the carers or the babysitter or the football coach or whoever. You bear responsibility. You see your kid playing up at uh, football coaching or football training, whatever. Yep, the coach has got something to say. Don't undermine him or her. You get behind them and realize that coach is there to help you, uh, not the other way around. All right, here's number three. All parents give age-appropriate training to their child or children. And here's, that's half the sentence. Here's the other half of the sentence. Who are born rebels. <laughs> a child is a born rebel. A child is going to be born already with one word on their lips. And you, you'll be stunned, parents, how quick children learn this word. And it's not dada or mama. It's the word no. <laughs> no. All children are born rebels. And I know, I know, I could be talking to someone and I'm wrong. Okay, I get it. I'm wrong. Your child is perfect and <laughs> your child always does everything they're told. But can I tell you from my experience, I haven't met you yet. <laughs> from my experience, all children are born with a rebellious streak. For some, it's really rebellious because they will push the envelope and parents will let them push the envelope. For other children, they push the envelope and parents realize, aha, the envelope's being pushed. I need to do something here right now to bring this envelope back, to let this child know, no, here's the line. You just crossed over, young man, young lady. Get back on this side of the line. So all parents give age-appropriate training to their child or children. And that means you you are saying, hey, listen, I need when we get back home from this party, I'm going to talk to you about what you just said to your mother or what you just said to that person or whatever it is. And it could be something like in the in the car on the way home and say, you know, Mr. Bloggs came up to you and said hello and you just looked down and didn't acknowledge him. Don't ever do that again. That is rude. I need you to show respect. You look him in the eye and you say, fine, thank you, Mr. Bloggs. Uh, how are you or something like that so that's age appropriate training for a child at that age it's going to look different with a teenager when you get into teen years you're going to realize your training is going to have to be a lot more heart-to-heart talks because a a teen is being a teen is a tough gig Dave it's Mm. it's a very confusing thing and and they need their mum and they need their dad especially more than ever before and so every parent realizes that Age-appropriate training means that you're dealing with a child who is a rebel who doesn't want to be, essentially doesn't want to be. They want they want mum and dad to tell them, here's where the boundaries are. Here's number two, and then this is a big one. And in fact, I would say if you get nothing else, take this one home, please. Parents need to be consistent. Mm. Consistent in how they raise their children, and that, that means the rules are consistent. The discipline is consistent and the standards are consistent. That means if you've got three or four children, you don't let one of them get away with it and the other two get, you know, clamped down on. Because the other two will soon pick up, hang on a minute, this is not 
right. You will lose their respect really quickly. So you need to be consistent in your standards. You need to be consistent in your discipline. The discipline could be if you're on your phone and it's caused you not to do something that contributes to the family, you lose that phone for a day, a week, or whatever it is. And it's not too harsh, but it's appropriate. And discipline is consistent. And the rules are consistent. You know, one of the best things you can do for your children from the outset is establish bedtime that you want for them. Now, let me just clarify that. I see some parents who will sort of uh, wait for their child to fall asleep mid-morning and then that becomes their nap time <clears throat> that's not the that's a way to do it but i tell you what that is going to that you are creating a rod for your back you want to have a consistent say mid-morning sleep time for for a, an infant that you determine you determine this and no matter where you are that's that's it you just stick to it consistency and same at night time many parents if all they did is give their, their children a consistent bedtime I mean, there are there are you know primary school children who are up till nine, ten, eleven at night. And can I tell you, mum and dad, you wonder why your kids are ratty and off the wall the next day. This shouldn't be a newsflash to anybody. Mm. Children need consistency. Meal times are consistent. Bedtime is consistent. Discipline is consistent. The rules are consistent, and the standards that you have for each of your children utterly consistent. And here's number one. This is the big one. I, I just hear a drum roll. Here it is. <laughs> Number one, parents demonstrate to their children what it's like to live the kind of life which God blesses. So the very thing, we started off intentionality. What is it you want for your child? You want them to be respectful. You want them to be courteous. You want them to be polite. You want them to know how to serve others and to be helpful. So number one is parents demonstrate that. They demonstrate those character traits. They demonstrate those qualities. And this is the kind of life that God blesses. And I think this is the the big picture here, that they see you pray. They hear you talk to God. They hear you reference God, not in a threatening way, not in a way that you're using God as a as a threat to hang over your children. God forbid that you ever do that. But but talking in terms of, you know why we don't do that? Because God has given us rules which are for our benefit. And if we keep them, we will be blessed. Dave, there's, there's five to one. And we'll have this loaded, uploaded to our website a bit later today. And, and you can go through this again, the five golden rules of parenting. And I'll be back next Wednesday, Dave. Absolutely. And of course, uh, tomorrow night as well from 8.30 for Finding Truth Matters right here on WayFM. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Corbett.